Vogue. I was Vogan. Vogue. Uh, Arthur Miller, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray. Oh no, that's <laughs> we didn't start the fire. <laughs> I thought you were sick. We didn't start the fire. <laughs> Marlon Brando. <laughs> what is it? Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean on the cover of a magazine. Something, something. Fred is there. Look at my vagina. I'm 70. Here's my vagina. Look at my vagina. 70 and here's my vagina. That's Madonna's next hit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movie Chef podcast where we make a meal out of movies. We are back after no, a, what, what? <laughs> after a very brief hiatus of I think nearly a month. It's we, been, well, three weeks. Three, three weeks. This is gonna be there. This is gonna be been a while. It's been the longest gap, hasn't it? Listen, even the fucking best have to recharge their batteries. You know, Charlie Chaplin had a take, you know, a while off from you know molesting young girls. Till then he gets right back in there and molests some more girls. <laughs> That's right, people. We have one minute, 37 seconds into recording. You can't recording. label the dead. You can't <laughs> label the dead. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Um, apart work, no, yeah, apart from work, I've been uh, keeping up with my, uh, my podcasts, obviously. I have been enjoying the glorious weather uh, of the summer. Um, nighttime's a fucker because obviously it's it's just so bloody warm. Um, but no, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying the nice weather. I woke up the other morning, right, and opened my eyes and there was just sunlight beaming through the window. And mm. I suddenly it's like, shit, what time is it? This isn't right. What's going on? Looked at my clock, half five. I'm like, ah, oh, oh, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> then I checked, looked closer. Didn't set a fucking alarm the night before. I just crashed on my bed. And I'm like, thank yeah. Christ for that. So, so much just woke up that <laughs> early. I could have just let through work. Absolutely. Um, but I went. Uh, I, I went and had a bit of bit of Tebsy time. I had a, I had a, a little grooming session. I had somebody trim my beard for me. Was it a prostitute? No, no, it wasn't this time. It was, well, it was somebody who was selling their services for money. Aren't we all prostitutes, Carl? We are, Paul. Wow, you're so yeah. profound. We're away for it for three months or three weeks and you become a philosopher. Well, we all are prostitutes in one way or the other, aren't we? You're so right there, Paul. You're well, so right. I went and, and he shaped the beard and everything. And he goes, uh, it was a Turkish barber's around mm-hmm. the corner from job number two. And uh, he goes, you want ear flame? Like, you're what? fucking ready to do? <laughs> I give like, you some fucking ear flame? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, but it sounds amazing. I'm like, wow, <laughs> ear flame. Yeah, go for it. Started wafting fire, basically trying to set fire to my head. Yeah. And then he goes, um, he points at me and he goes, nose wax. And he just sort of nods like, you really want to do you, this? You, you need, need this. this. <laughs> you need this. <laughs> <laughs> I went, well, well, go on then. Uh, and he took two big cotton buds and he went over to this pot of b- bubbling molten wax. 
and Par- it only, paraffin. <laughs> and it only dawned on me at that moment that this was hot wax. That's what wax it is. It's hot wax. It's not like it can put strips of something up my nose and rip them out. He wrapped the hot wax around the two cotton buds and shoved them up my nose. Okay? He took it again, put it up the other one, and he left it there. And he mopped my brow and everything and brushed me off. He mopped your brow. Hold on. This, this, is a, this is a prostitute, Paul. <laughs> he, mopped, he mopped your brow and he brushed you off. What kind of Turkish fucking barber is this? He was just something like giving me a tug in the chair. And just like, earwax after this, yeah. <laughs> and then he comes over and he sort of prods at my nose and he goes, yes. I'm like, oh, God, this is real. And he yanked it right out of me. He went to the other one. I've never, you know, when you pull one nose hair out. Yeah. He pulled that thing out. It looked like a dead bumblebee. Oh. And I, my nose was just on fire. And he just goes, now you can breathe. I'm like, oh, fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. I'm going to be bleeding out of my nose for the next week and a half, but at least I can breathe clearly. Oh, I, but... I actually, I actually quite like pulling nose hairs. I know that sounds awful, but I get some like weird pleasure out of pulling them. By the state of some of them on this wax, when he pulled it, one disappeared out of my ass. It was huge. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, was I just, that was just the, that was the greatest visual there in my head. <laughs> there was, it was just like, <laughs> if it, when it pulled it, it was just hanging off the end of it, like like a. It was huge. It was about two inch long. This this hair, I swear, and it had come out of my nose. I'm like, how is that thing up my nose? Why is that there? How is that there? I've got no idea. But hey, that's what I did with my spring break. Let's 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 move on from masturbation, masturbating turkey barbers here, like <laughs> turkey barbers. <laughs> <Come on. laughs> Are you anywhere near me? What? Um, so, what films have you been watching? Um, I've been watching a lot of football films. <laughs> yeah, well, come on. Oh, yeah, this, is, this is our soccer ball special. Uh, mm-hmm. Football to you uh, people on uh, the right side of the Atlantic. Soccer. Soccer ball to our Can American friends. In the halftime balls. Hollywood pass cross field into the upper right <laughs> Superstar ball sponsored by Budweiser. And... <laughs> <laughs> please, we like you as, as listeners, though. Please come back. Come back. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking about football in a minute. I watched... Um, have you seen Tag? I don't know if I've mentioned this one before. With Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner, um, John Hamm. Hold on. Can we not... Are we allowed to talk about... Jer- are we allowed to talk about Jeremy Renner? Is he Is he not cancelled? Is... Eh? Is I he? Was can- I thought he was cancelled, yeah. Oh, crying out. I can't keep up. And John Hamm has the biggest cock in Hollywood. Does it? Why yeah, does it always come back up to cock? Because I'm, I'm sorry, like this is the, this is there's there's three things that I know about John Hamm. Number cock one, he was in that, he was in he was in that TV show Mad Men. Number yeah. two, he was in Toast of London, and he loves he loves you know a bit of toast. And number three, he has a huge fucking cock. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> You can check it up if you want. Imagine if we managed to get him for an interview. So, John, uh, tell us about Mad Men. Oh, 100%. I wouldn't want to know about anything else, but <laughs> listen, let's just see it. Love it out. Corn monster, see dong. Let's go. <laughs> then you can get back to your day, <laughs> go back to your fucking normal interviews with Barry Norman and fucking all the rest of them. 
So, yeah, Tag was fun. And um, a film that we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, have you seen Army of the Dead yet? I haven't, but I will watch it before then. I can't wait. It's been a while. It's been at least a number of weeks since we've talked about Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? The fact that we've been off, this is the longest period where we haven't mentioned Zack Snyder. So well, that's, quite, back. That's, quite, that's quite therapeutic for me, actually, because yeah, it seems like I've been talking about him for about a year and a half. And do you know what else is quite apt next week? Episode <laughs> episode number 69. God. Yeah. <laughs> really, though? Have we not done more than 69? <laughs> we never do more than 69. <laughs> We've got to have done more episodes than 69 no, episodes. No, no, 69. Like we were doing what we were doing one every fucking six hours at the start of the pandemic. <laughs> we were just live streaming. Just yeah, do you want to do an episode? Uh, Paul, I took a shit. Do you want to do an episode? Yeah, let's go. High five. <laughs> <laughs> just just one episode was just two hours of us reading the paper and eating crunches. <laughs> um, okay, so news trailers. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's start with it then. Infinite with Mark Wahlberg. Yep, copy, paste, take out, cut out the Transformers, stick in Wahlberg, uh, explosions, car chases, bang, bada boom, twist at the end, Wahlberg wins. Actually, you don't actually, you don't actually need to see the movie now. There you go. There, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. That pretty much it. I mean, look, this is yeah. Oh, fuck me. I'm I'm watching it now again, and it's just Wahlberg. It, like I say, the only good thing about Transformers films is the big fucking robots. Yeah. I, I, I don't know anybody who would go, are you going to go see that new Matt Wahlberg film? Which one? <laughs> Transformers in it. Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? You didn't have me. You didn't have me until you met, you mentioned the Wahlberger. Have you seen that new Wahlberg film? It's uh, it's about him trying to reconnect with his daughter across America. All oh, right. What else happens? There's Transformers in it. Oh, brilliant. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I right. don't know. The trans- Transformers put me off. I like the real life kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, if we're talking about from family fucking getting involved in stuff, Army of the Dead, God, I've got pages and pages of notes. And most oh, of all, just writing down my internal screams. <laughs> you were angry <laughs> wanking over the Just fucking... Just spitting at a picture of myself all the way it. Fuck you. <laughs> um, we got a trailer for Eternals, the long-awaited uh, Marvel's Eternals from the MCU. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I'm gonna. I'll start this one off. Right. I said it at the time. This started out as a really great trailer. I thought, really sort of atmospheric. Yep. I've seen space opera used quite a bit. In that you can make, and the fact that it's on Earth, or I'm assuming it's Earth, but make it almost otherworldly. It, it sets up this different vision for a different time, a different feeling of what's going on on this planet. And then to finish the trailer off with the most generic shite joke every time marvel they they get so scared it's like they could have had this real thematic fantastic poignant trailer and left it and then they had to add on some crappy little joke at the end and it just for me it just spoiled it yeah it's the whole guardians of the galaxy effect you know we've we've had this conversation before that yeah yeah and it's happening again yeah that they they cannot for for the you know for the love nor money stay away from Yes, we all like the odd comedy fucking element within the movies. Like, but they, you know, when I first watched Ragnarok, my main problem with Ragnarok was the constant fucking jokes. The constant. And, and, do you know what? It still kind of grates me a wee bit when I watch it. But 
I can appreciate the movie Ragnarok now more than the other wee bits and pieces, the annoying bits and pieces in between. But I don't understand why they had to add that joke in on the trailer. And secondly, as well, for me, I don't know why, but as soon as I seen Angelina Jolie, I was like, oh, does she really have to be in the MCU? I think she's going to be in it like Anthony Hopkins was in Thor. I think you're bringing in these um, people like Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Kit Harrington. You're bringing in Barry. Um, oh no, Kumail Nanjiani. I can never pronounce Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani. Um, Ma Dong Sok from Train to Busan. You're bringing all these sort of young, popular actors at the time, and then you pair them up with people like um, Angelina Jolie, like Salma Hayek, who have experience, have that name to them and I think they're going to be in a few scenes which isn't a problem because I think it should be handing over to this new youthful Avengers that's going to come in the fact that they have to signpost it and it's like they're almost saying um, we're terrified of people not realising this is in the MCU so we have to yeah. mention and we have to mention Captain America. And what could the joke be? Oh, well, I could lead them. And all of his mates just look at him like, you fucking dickhead. Yeah, all right, mate, no, no chance. What's that say to us? It's this beautiful thematic um, operatic piece of work from an Oscar-winning uh, director is going to be bookended with forced jokes and references to a wider thing. It just really took me out of it. It took me out of it as well a wee bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all hooked on that fucking opioid what is Marvel and the MCU and the universe. So it doesn't really fucking matter, you know, even if they give us a big steaming bag of shit and lit it on fire on each doorstep and then Feig or Feige or whatever his name is came in and and broke everybody's noses at their front door. We're still all going to go watch it. We're still all going to just go see it and pay for it. Yeah, I mean, Loki started again this week, or it started fresh this week as we speak. It's tonight, isn't it? Yeah, it's today. Yeah, well, I think it started at like 3 a.m. It came on and on Disney Plus or whatever. So that's going to be every Wednesday. So we'll probably start talking about episodes, but whatever. I don't well, know. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it tonight. Anyway, I'm going to I'm going to watch it tonight. With the, yeah, I'll get it. Watch probably watch it tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm. I know I've got to watch it, and I know I'm going to watch it, but I know already know it's going to get spoiled. Stuff's going to get seen. It's like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Here, Paul. So, here, Paul. Paul. Grow the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I can get... Oh, that's how, ladies and gentlemen, if we were doing a video podcast, you would understand that Cormac is probably three beers down right now. Hold on, hold on. Look, it is it is the is fucking it... zero. It's the zero. It's the zero. Well, that left shirt sleeve went up usually, and that's your three beer mark when the left sleeve shirt. <laughs> <laughs> He's rolled his left sleeve shirt up. His right one is down. And usually, that, if I remember Cormac right, that is three beer Cormac when the left sleeve goes up. <laughs> Six six beers when I'm rubbing my knees. Six beers when I'm rubbing yeah. forward. I go forward like that. <laughs> Man, it's, it's just that side. It's just that point of no return when the left sleeve gets rolled up. <laughs> you've got Cletus the Yokel on one side. You've got Batman that, that fan on the other. Um, so, yeah, okay, that's the Eternals. God, man, right, we're enthusiastic for that, aren't we? Well, you know, I am, but... I, I am, I am, yeah, but I, th- I think, I think me and you have the exact same feeling about the Marvel Universe going into 2.0, and it is this. We've been burnt now by both WandaVision and by Falcon Winter Soldier, so we're going to be a little bit tepid on yeah. on everything that we see about it now even loki which i i fingers crossed and i hope is going to be fucking amazing because it, the, the trailers have, have actually enjoyed them um that ball bag fucking which wilson brother is this 
Billy Bob Wilson or whatever his fucking name is. Who? Owen. Owen, big nose, fucking Willy Wonka motherfucker. Right. They're all wanks. Okay, well, we'll stay on Marvel News. Uh, Secret Invasion TV show has added uh, Shooter McGavin himself, Christopher McDonald, to the cast. Nice. Um, so we've got uh, Samuel Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, this is going to be the, the scroll sort of invasion. So probably like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. level of who are you? Are you a bad guy? Well, bad guy? I'm, I'm three seasons forward. deep. I'm three seasons deep now of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Get out while you can. Nah, I think it's all right. Yeah, get out. I'm not, but you know, but you know what the thing is though. I'm now expecting nothing from it, so I, 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 I'm going to watch it. And I'm going to enjoy it because I am expecting nothing from it. And and do you know what? So far, so average. So I'm kind of huh. Speaking of things that I'm not expecting anything from, uh, Seth Rogen is rebooting Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtles. <laughs> No, no, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have that because we do not see, need another turtle. See, shut, up, shut up, shut up, shut up, right? Just shut your mouth, shut, shut your mouth, shut your mouth, just, just shut your mouth, shut your mouth, right? If there's one person that can make a decent movie out of turtles, I would be happy with Seth Rogen doing it. I think it's going to be a good movie. I think this could be a really good reboot. It's really an good. It's an animated film. Uh-huh. Right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle films do not I think do this, well at cinema. This could be this could be like the Spider-Man multiverse one. What, like bringing them from different comics or something? There's so many characters within the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle world that have so much legs. I genuinely, genuinely, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was my first absolute love. Like I, I fucking. Uh, adored Teenage Mutant, well, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles it was in the UK because they didn't think that people, fucking kids would understand what a ninja was, which is ridiculously fucking stupid. Um, but it was my first love and it was like, it was probably the first thing that around my age that was amazing. It, it was like the fucking, what do you call that? BTS? <laughs> that fucking South Korean band? It was kind of like that. The fucking Gangnam Style. It was the Gangnam oh, style yeah. of back. It was just that Sad. fucking, that thing that was just, it was everywhere. You know, parents were afraid of it because they thought their kids were going to become fucking ninjas and go and kill people. Uh, kids loved it because fucking Michelangelo had nunchucks and he ate pizza. And let's not delude ourselves. Nobody fucking liked Raphael. I don't care what anyone says. Nobody, Is, not right. one kid said Raphael's cool. But now everybody would, everybody looks back at it and goes, yeah, I fucking love Raphael. Yeah, Raphael was my guy. No, he wasn't. Nobody likes Raphael. Turtles, turtles do not, will not do well at the cinema. They never have done. I do not think the best turtle film at the box office was the first Michael Bay one, and that did four hundred eighty-five million worldwide. And that's not good on a budget of production budget. If you're, te- of- if you're telling me right now, if you done a, if you done a fucking movie, I got four hundred eighty-five million worldwide. You'd look at it and go, nah. Off the turtles. The faces are everywhere, lunchboxes, yeah. cartoons, they're that popular. And the most it can pull is less than the worst Harry Potter film. The, how much did Captain America make? Which one? First one? The first of... The, the first one was the, one of the most popular ca- cartoon characters of all time and comic book characters of all time. Let's have a look. Talk amongst yourselves. 370 million. All right, so it didn't make as much as the turtles then. 
What about Pitch. Iron Man? Check Iron Man. What about Iron Man, the most popular fucking comic? Where, that, yeah, was about, that was about 700 million. But what I'm saying is, that's one. It was that was about one fucking film, right? Out of all the turtles films that have been, out of how popular they are with hardcore fans, they just don't make massive money. Okay. Well, listen, listen. We'll agree to disagree. Okay. But let's put it like this: if Vanilla Fucking Ice is in this movie, I'm not seeing it. Deal. All right. Deal. (laughs) Um, We had some big news from Amazon. Apparently, they have acquired... Jeff Bezos is being shot to the moon, motherfucker. <laughs> Eat shit. Do you know what I heard? Do you know what I heard yesterday? I read yesterday. He got $4,000 from the American government in child support last year. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, what is... Why? Why haven't we all taken every politician out of their houses and put a... No, actually. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start stopping the recording every time it gets <laughs> Eat the rich. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. <laughs> you know the problem with Israel and Palestine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amazon have bought MGM Studios for $8.5 billion. Um, owners of some of the f- uh, classics like Something Like It Hot and Singing in the Rain, and as well as Jim Bond. Um, uh, looking like they're exclusively going to be on a Times video library. Um, and of course, Amazon are now going to be taking the share of the films that they make moving forwards. Um, is this good? Who I don't, knows? I don't, I don't like, know. what I, I mean, <laughs> if, if I had an inkling to think that Jeff Bezos was trying to save the movie industry, then I would say, yeah, top, top, top notch. This is great. I have a feeling, though, that. This is just another way for him to buy another ship to get to, to Mars. Yep. Yep. And and it's got nothing to do with movies. For me, it's like obviously how much money. Buying... How much money does one man need? How much do you need? Do you know what I mean? Like, how much do you need? Genuinely, like if I had, I'm sitting in front of a fridge freezer, right? If that was filled with fucking hundred pound notes or hundred dollar notes, I think that would satisfy me as a human being. Do you know what? This fucking little thing could probably fit two million. I think two million would be enough. No, not for Jeff Bezos. He needs fucking trillions. I need trillions. I need to buy everything. Like it's turning into some kind of weird bondish kind of thing isn't it it's it, it genuinely is turning in he, he sooner or later will buy guatemala and everybody will just go ha, it's jeff bezos well is that not what elon musk is doing by wanting to populate mars and making like his own little blowfelt space base in the in, <sighs> who mars? Knows? just as long as we see all the fucking uh, on the way up you know who cares um well now i've got you in a good mood we're getting a joker sequel Apparently. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, Hollywood Reporter are, well, believe it or not, reporting uh, that Todd Phillips's lawyer is in the last uh, throes of finalising a contract for Todd Phillips to return to uh, write and direct, as well as Joaquin Phoenix returning as Arthur Fleck in Joker. You know my feelings on this film. His lawyer. <laughs> His lawyer, just give, <laughs> just give him twenty million. There's, there's your tw- hand him fucking a bag of money and go. There you go. There's twenty million. What, what's this movie gonna make? Was like six hundred million. Yeah, sure. There's twenty million. Fuck it. Whatever. Make the movie. 
there's your budget of whatever you need, 120 million. Well, this this is a double Oscar winning, 11 nominations film. Highly regarded from last year, uh, year before. There has there has to be a good guy in this movie, though. I, I really there, am there, hoping there has to be. I don't want there Batman. Has to be. I don't want Batman. Nightwing. Possibly. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. We all know. Crossover. Hashtag crossover. Hashtag. There has, but there has to be some connection with it because you know, let's let's. Lo and behold, DC again have stumbled into a, a, a popular movie once more. They've stumbled, they've, they've fucked their way through all the rest of the, 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 the movies and the fucking franchises that they've had, and they've landed a Joker, and it was a massive su- success. I don't think that they believed that it would have been as big a success as it would. I don't think they would have expected the, the critical acclaim, the fucking money that they got out of this. And only, only DC would sit there and go, Nah, it's not in anybody's universe, right? But what, what do you mean? It's not in anybody's universe. So what? Who's going to be the who's going to be the good guy versus the bad guy? Nah, it's just going to be like an emotional thing. Yeah, it's just nothing to do with. Oh yeah, we're filming that Batman as well. Yeah, but it's going to have to do with that Batman. Don't worry about it. Oh, all right. <laughs> so right, this, right. But if this introduces a Batman, if this introduces young Batman, right? We're going to have Affleck Joker universe Batman. We're mm-hmm. going to have Robert Pattinson Batman. Batman universe. But that's the stupidity of these. They've done this. We're going to have Michael Keaton in the Flash DC Extended Universe Batman. Ben Affleck in DC Universe. Ben Affleck in Snyderverse. I agree with you. It's fucking stupid. But this is what they've done. And this is what they've done. They expect Bob Bob and Gene going out for a night out in, in Witness and they're going out to the cinema once a year. Let's see that Batman film. We liked him in the last one. They won't have a clue. Yeah. They, they are, they're, they're the people that they want to go and see these films. Me, me and you will go see it. Everyone listening to this will go see it because you're movie fans. You will go see the film. And that's, that's the core 100 million or whatever. The big money is getting other people who don't have a clue what it is and introducing them to it to get them to go and pay their money instead of going to see something else that they recognize. And it's just a fucking mess out here. Where's that wee sparkly boy from fucking Twilight, George? <laughs> oh, this isn't the same one, Rita. What do you mean, George? Have they got a sparkly welly out today, boy? <laughs> <laughs> it's that fucking ball bag from Gladiator. What are you doing? <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> Which one's Iron Man? <laughs> Let me tell you what happened at the end of Game of Thrones. Shut the fuck up, Roy. <laughs> no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> um, final news: Black Panther two or Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Wakanda a, Forever is apparently, according to the Illuminati, <laughs> top, um, they, they are pretty good apparently they've had a, a, they have had scoops apparently I like the that they are, they are pretty good I, apparently I, do, I haven't read <laughs> such an assortment of different internet tabloids to determine my own sense of wow that one's good no I don't like that one I don't read enough of that what I do can trust what I do can trust what I can trust is Empire to tell me <laughs> they notice them then it's worth noticing so apparently the Kim quiet. Newman on the phone <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, um, Tenoch Hueta, I think I pronounced his name right. Tenoch yes. Hueta. <laughs> yes, I believe so. Yes. Apparently, he's playing Namor the Submariner. Okay, I know him. Now, it may be Submariner, but I prefer Submariner. It, <laughs> it is Submariner, yeah. <laughs> I prefer him as a Submariner. I think Namor the Submariner is going to turn up on his submarine. See, is this not too close to Aquaman? This is the son of a sailor and a princess of Atlantis. Well, what's the son of a sailor, man? Who has subaquatic... <laughs> the only one who can ever teach me. What's <laughs> the son of a sailor, man? <laughs> All I'm thinking is, Cooey! <laughs> I'm a submariner. <laughs> who wants to come on my submarine, boys? <laughs> And I mean, coming it. <laughs> oh, that's it. Fill it up with semen. Right. <laughs> nah, stop this. <laughs> it is Pride Month still, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Pride, Pride. I apologize. Pride, Pride. Pride, Pride. pride. Is that Pride, Pride? Um, so, yeah. Namor the Submariner is turning up. And, yeah, so. Son of a Atlantean princess and a sailor who has powers to swim underwater and really strong, and he comes to shore and he fights crime and he becomes the king of Atlantis. Does this not sound like our own little uh, Jason Momoa over in DCEU and Aquaman? I, won- I wonder which one came first, though. Well, the Submariner came in 1939. He was one in one of the first Marvel comics, which was timely comics back then. So it was 1939. So when did Aquaman come about? I have no idea. Hold on. Aquaman. <clears throat> Pardon me. Talk about yourselves. Oh, oh, oh. Talk, um, 1941. So Submariner was first. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it all sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? But we'll see. We'll see. But I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to this. From from knowing about the character, he's a bit of a badass. He's an anti-hero. Um, I think his powers are going to be great. I, I loved the, think- the thinking of Atlantis going to war with Wakanda. Just having yeah. their own thing going on, it's still you know after the blip and all that. They talked about an earthquake off the coast of Africa in Endgame. So Marvel are very good at leaving little breadcrumbs like that. It either pays off to something or it never gets mentioned again. And everyone's still there <laughs> twenty years later, going that fucking earthquake. Anytime now, anytime now. <laughs> um, but yeah, looking forward to it. So this week, football. That's football. That is football. So we have a few things to cover off, namely. Um, my friend's lap of honor, which we'll come to in a minute. Uh, but first this. What's up, nerds? Tyler Mack here from the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Bad Cast Company Productions. I am interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast to tell you about the show. At 30 and Nerdy Podcast, we talk all things nerd culture and do it while entertaining, enlightening, and educating the masses of the nerd world order so when you're done with this phenomenal show you're already listening to zoom on over to 30 and nerdy podcast hit that subscribe button give it a listen a rating and review and don't forget to check out 30 and nerdy podcast.com cheers to you nerds
Fußball, football. Football, football, football. Soccer ball. So in America, this uh, to everybody listening in America, at the minute um, we're gearing up in Europe for the start of Euro 2020. Mm-hmm. Called 2020 because it was supposed to be last year and they didn't really want to reprint all the sticker books. Yeah. So, <laughs> 20, I genuinely believe that's what it was. It's it like, is. No, it's 100%. It's, it's the mitigate. Yeah. We've already printed all the mugs. <laughs> it's on. to mitigate, right. yeah. It's to mitigate any extra cost because the yeah. pandemic has wrecked hell on everybody. And obviously, FIFA don't need the fucking money, but you know they are yeah. the most penny pension bastards. Apart from when they're fucking taking the money and building their big houses and stuff and filling up their fucking pools with euro coins. So we're gearing up for Euro 2020, but uh, which will have um, England, the country <laughs> I live in, um, <clears throat> it will have Wales, it will have Scotland. Um, it will have France, it will have yeah. Iceland. No, Iceland didn't get there, did they? But, uh, Hungary, uh, Spain, Hungary, Italy, Norway, Turkey, Norway, Turkey, yeah. uh, Finland, 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 we've got that too. Yeah. Germany, Germany, red hot favorite. Italy, how could we forget Italy? Is it not like Eurovision where Australia have been invited a lot? <laughs> <laughs> but there's always that weird one, though. Do you remember like? Things like the, the Confederation Cup and fucking the CONCACAF Cup and stuff like that there. They always like invite some random nation. Because <laughs> they all want somebody to be. It's like the winner of the World Cup, Brazil. The winner of the Euros, Germany. The winner of the American, Mexico. All these big nations yeah. win. And their friends from Western Samoa. <laughs> yeah, Chinese Taipei. <laughs> Nepal, everybody. <laughs> the independent nation of Taiwan. <laughs> and... Okay, so whistle stop tour, history of football, tell everyone your allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know already. My my allegiance is with the Republic of Ireland. <laughs> I'm in Chelsea, but whatever. <laughs> oh, sorry, Chelsea, sorry, Chelsea, Chelsea. It's an IRA fucking recruitment. It's not fucking IRA. It's what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> People I'm going to think I Chelsea. So how long... So I'm quizzing you now. So how long have you been a Chelsea fan? Is it like my, since or just since my the first? <laughs> fuck you! You've known me before that. Um, I first back. my first game. The first game that I remember seeing was in '87 when Kenny Dalglish, his Liverpool team, relegated us to Division Two. It was the first kind of emotional roller coaster that I ever went on um as a football fan. Didn't know obviously a lot about it, but a new relegation was a bad thing. Um and then do you know what the, what the bad thing, the second thing that I remember about football is Hillsborough. I remember actually watching you know the Hillsborough disaster unfold on TV. Yeah this um, that, that, totally that's my second it, I think I was a bit too young for Hillsborough. Yeah yeah I, no I get I it. I get it. Hill Hillsborough again I don't know whether I'm much it, in all honesty, well, no, no, no. Over fifty percent of our listeners are from America, and I bet half of them don't actually know it was a. Um, what, what year was it? Now it was nineteen 1980, eighty nine. Ninety six fans went to a football match and never came back. Yeah, uh, look it up. It's horrible, but um, there's a lot's been written about it, and that's for another day. Um, to me, I was I actually was a Huddersfield Town fan. I'm admitting it now. Burncoat! <laughs> For one year, right? Basically, they built a new stadium in in Huddersfield on Leeds Road. And my mum said, do you want a season ticket? They're like £40 each. <laughs> so they wanted to get kids into, you know, for the future. Yeah. And I went, all right, yeah. And every Saturday, I was on my own, and I was like 12 years old or something, jumping on bus, going down to 
watch the match and I'd watch the match and I'd come home and it was like a fucking uh, dress rehearsal because they didn't want to pay the 200 quid to take me to Leeds. Yeah. But that's the thing over here as well. You know, I support an English Premier League team, but it's because it's so the English Premier League is the, the biggest in the fucking world. You know, you go to anybody in Scandinavia and they've got a Premier League team, you know, a team that they follow religious, religiously. Like I was like yourself. I went to uh, Oma Town matches. Like we used to live about probably half a mile away from uh, Oma Town's football ground, St. Julian's Road. And I would literally just walk over fields just to get to St. Julian's Road. And like, St. Julian's Road was my first it was my first love because I got to sit by myself with a whole pile of drunk men shouting at people. And it, you learned every single fucking swear word at St. Julian's Road. And like the more you went over the years, the further back in the stand you got and the higher you got up. So like by the time I was like 14, I was sitting at the top of the stands you know, with all the fucking 40 and 50 year old fucking factory workers just shouting and roaring at people. And you're sitting there fucking having a cigarette with them and fucking buying away. And that's what I remember. But that's that's my that's one of my earliest kind of loves of football. Now, for me, back in God, I'm going to feel old now. It was either 95 or 96, October, November. About when was it? I should I should fucking remember. Anyway, it was the second year me and my dad had a season ticket to Leeds because we had one first year and we got beat 4-0 by Man United. Paborski scored the fourth, I think. Carol. Carol. And he came, he came in front of the family stand giving it all that. And you're like, we're just fucking kids, mate. And it's like he was there giving it all that. In front, like you proper whatever he's saying. You're calling me a cunt. <laughs> like, yeah, all, all 10-year-olds going, oh, fuck you, you fucking prick. <laughs> and, um, and then the following year, David Weatherall nodded one in at the near post. Uh, and it was right in front of me. I could see it. He nodded it. Ellen Road erupted. And then the second half, man, you were attacking our, our end. And I watched Nigel Martin put on a goalkeeping masterclass. He, he caught one behind him. It kind of dived and it had just gone behind him. He scooped it back from behind his and. Uh, and when full time went, and you know what? It's like for Leeds Man U, it's one of them rivalries. And you know where Leeds are like, Leeds hate Man U. Man U hate loads of people because they've got so many rivalries over the years. Yeah. But for us, they're, they're, so when we beat them, it means so fucking much. To Man U, it's like that. Um, Raul Julia from Street Fighter, where he's like saying, oh, for us, when we beat you, it was Tuesday. You know, for you, it's. But it's something to beat Man United. And I saw it in the middle of Fergie's era of the 90s, and it was just incredible. But uh, yeah, we, we beat them all the time, you know? Fuck you. Yeah, well, <laughs> we didn't spend enough money on it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not that you didn't spend enough. Remember, we've had this conversation. You wasted <laughs> your money. You wa- you, you were you, Leeds United were the, is it, what's your man, Carol, the fucking lotto lout? You know, the guy that oh, won, yeah. tw- <laughs> won 12 million. The guy that won 12 million. And he went and bought a whole pile of dirt bikes and fucking big dirt tracks and fucked up his brand new house and stuff. See, that's what Leeds did. Leeds won the lottery <laughs> and spent a whole pile of money on just random shit, you know, paying people fucking random wages. You know, yeah, I'll give you fucking 120 grand. F- really? 100, 120 grand? Yeah, fucking I. You get 120 grand as well. Yeah. Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. Yeah. And then you just went down to League One. It's like, what the fuck? Where was it? What happened? And your national team? Need we ask? <laughs> Need we ask? 
the the Republic of Ireland, baby. You know, how come you're uh, not the Euros? Did you not go to France when the like oh, the Euros were yeah, lost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to we went to France. Um, and no, you physically all, went to France. You were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I went to France. We went to see the. Uh, uh, the Belgian game and the Italy game and the Italy game will be just go down as just one of the great moments of life. You know, just, you know, it, like everything, you know, I'll explain it because we we drove from Paris to Bordeaux, not realizing how fucking far Paris is from Bordeaux. Uh, got down to Bordeaux for the Belgium game, had a great time, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Drove the whole way back up through Paris to go to Lille, which is even longer. Um, but the heat, the heat was fucking, I can't explain the heat. And they, they, they got us on these wee trams, right, to, to get us to the stadium. Or sorry, to, to get to the train station, to get to the buses, to get to the stadium. But these trams were just filled. Each of them probably could carry about 50 people, but there were about 100 Irish fans in each one of these cars. And it was about, it was probably 200 to 300 yards of just trams. And you could hear the singing everywhere you went. And it was just one of those experiences. We went into the stadium. You heard nothing but Irish people. Like there was the odd dotting of Italian fans and stuff like that there. But there was nothing but Irish fans screaming. There was nothing but anything going on. And then Robbie Brady, the fucking jumped like a salmon in the fucking 84th minute and put it in. And I, it, it genuinely felt, there's only a couple of experiences. I've been to Celtic Park. And I've heard Henrik Larson score, um, but there's only a couple of times that I have ever experienced what can only be described as a stadium lifting three inches off the ground, uh, in that in that moment where everybody kind of sucks it in to just let it all out again, and it emotionally I was I was done like I I was I was I, I, can't, I can't remember the last six minutes of that game. Like, I can't remember. I remember the goal going in. I remember the I remember the screaming. I remember everything. I remember hugging fucking everybody around me. I remember, you know, being pulled to and fro. I think at the end of the game as well, we weren't even sitting in the seats where we were sitting in. Like, you were just moving around so much and fucking... And then by the end, by the end of it, it was just... It was so picturesque because of how humid it was. There was thunder and lightning everywhere, like fucking crackling lightning everywhere. And like we went into the center of Lille, found a wee bar, sat there till five o'clock in the morning drinking mojitos. Like it was, it was perfect. Like it was perfect. See, I don't get that with England. Oh, God. I've always had this apathy. I've had this apathy for England for a long time, right? I don't get how you're supposed to hate, not hate, but these are your rivals every week. Rooney, Gerard, Lampard, you shout abuse mm. at they're playing against your team. They're dirty cheating bastards. And then they put an England shirt on and suddenly we're all cheering their name and chanting them because we're allowed to now. They're our player now. <laughs> they, then they're going to go back to Chelsea because... Liverpool. We're not allowed to chant them anymore. But secretly, I've always wanted to chant them and get to do it for England. And watching England, I just, I, I, I watched one of the games recently. I can't even remember who it was. And I'm just like, I feel nothing. So mm. I just started supporting San Marino. Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I agree. But I agree. Next time, next time I watch a San Marino game, imagine if they have a shot. Yeah. How fucking amazing is that going to be as a fan? Yeah. Imagine when but they I get a goal. But I think that's that's the point of football. You know, you'll get that back at some point. 
like you will get that 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 back or something. But I think the good thing about supporting, like obviously a nation like the Republic, we are in a process now of rebuilding because our FA is just fucked. It's in debt. There's fucking there's no money anywhere. The the training facilities are shit in Ireland. You know, there's no structure that has been built. You know, you look at England at the minute. Like I talk to you regularly about it. Mm. There are, you know, if you can sit there and say. Jack Grealish, Phil Foden, and Mason Mount for one position. Yeah. One, one position. That is three of the brightest stars in football. Like, Phil Foden will go to the top. He will go to the... If he continues on his trajectory, he will go to the very fucking top of world football. You know, he will. he could potentially be... You know, on what I've seen of him, you know, and he's so fucking young. He's 20 years of age. Like, yeah. I, I could see him, you know, being a, a Luis Figo. I could see him, you know, being being that good and being that well-renowned. Uh, but to have that in them positions. But with that comes the expectation of going into every tournament. Yeah. And you know yourself, you know yourself, and I mean, you've had this conversation before. It's usually the press that builds it up. It's usually oh, and now, yeah. now over the last couple of years they haven't over the last few tournaments they haven't done it. So I think it's been you know I think a quiet word has been ha- been said between the FA and a lot of the newspapers. It's not. It's Southgate reaching out to them, and he's he sets up uh, press days, interview days where the press get to go and speak to whichever player they want. Mm-hmm. There where they get to chat to the manager around a, t- a round table with coffee. They get to go and watch the training and ask questions. And he's opening the camp up, but he's, what he's saying is, yeah, it's, it's having that, it's saying, I'm going to give you this access. I'm going to give you so much material to write about. You won't need to make up bollocks to try yeah. and put it down. And I love that tactic of it. I really do. One thing you just said about all that youth, all them youth players coming through for England that's from St. George's Park. That was about 10 yeah. years ago when it was just coming in and everyone was saying, why is all this money being spent on training facilities and all these uh, training camps and youth teams? Um, how is that supposed to make the England team better when big teams are poaching the best young talent? Well, if the best young talent is now English and they're getting noticed, then something's going right. Yeah. But that's... That's that's the thing. Well, Jack Grealish was Irish, like, but there you go. Uh, but there you go. There you go. And came Don't up through the system. Declan Rice as well. Yeah, came up through the Irish Irish system. Yeah. Patrick Bamford. Paddy Bamford's going to be there. Paddy Bamford's going to come. I guarantee you. Paddy Bamford's going to be there for the whole ground. But yeah, but <clears throat> I think it's easier supporting a smaller nation. Um, football and wise when it comes to yeah. world football because you know what you're never really let down like you're never really let down like I have there's there's three three experiences in life for me for Republic of Ireland number one now everybody talks about Ray Houghton scoring that goal in 88 against England I was a bit too young I can't remember that what I do remember is Ray Houghton's goal against Italy in 1994 uh, when we beat them 1-0 in Giant Stadium um, I remember being in my granny's house, house and being 11 and just screaming the house down. And I, in my head, I, I screamed till halftime, you know, and then I screamed from the second half, the start of the second half to the 90th minute. Uh, the second one was Shane Long, 1-0, beating Germany. Uh, I'll never forget that. I remember screaming again the house down. And the third one was that Italy game, you know. Uh, but they are they are 
things that are just embedded in my head that will never, ever leave. You know, even I was having this conversation with Ernie last night whenever we were drawing nil-nil with Hungary and turned around him and going, we're playing really well. We're drawing nil-nil with Hungary. Dad. Yeah, no, but we're playing really, really well. Like, yeah, we're, we're fucking, it's an improvement. It's an improvement. It's better than losing 1-0 to Luxembourg, I'll tell you that. See, I, I was just old enough to remember the 1990 World Cup's semi-final. See, I, yeah, I was just old enough, but I can't really, really remember it. Um, with Gaza being sent off, uh, getting his yellow card and, and not being able to uh, carry on. I couldn't quite understand what was going on, but I kind of it's, it clicked eventually. Um, but for me, things like, I mean, Euro 96 was amazing. Gaza's goal against Scotland. I remember that role, sat around the table. It was one of those moments where all the family sat around the telly, sat the afternoon yeah. in England at home in the Euros, 1996, and Gaza scores probably one of the best goals you'll ever see from an England player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when we beat Germany in a World Cup qualifier, 5-1. I was listening to it on the radio because I was working in the kitchen at the ship, but I was behind the bar when we were playing Greece. And that moment where Beckham stood over ball, and it was just like everybody in the bar was just stood watching Beckham take this free kick. I've, I've ju- Another football of memory has popped into my head there, and it was me and you together. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. In Euro 2004, when we were working on Pippins, yeah, and England were one nil up, and then Zinedine Zidane scored two in the oh, last five minutes, and I and I cheered, and everybody in the bar looked around at me, and I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to get fucking murdered that night. <laughs> oh god, damn it! Yeah, I was going to murder you to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> with, with good cause, with good cause. You, you, but you have to sit, you have to understand. See, living in England and having, you know, again. I don't want to see Scotland win. I don't want to see Wales win. I don't want to see England win. But because England are so successful with so many good players, there's that extra little kind of fuck up. Oh, fuck up. I hope it was always scores against you. But don't get me wrong. If Mason Mount scored for England, I would celebrate because I'm a Chelsea fan first. You know, I am. I'm a Chelsea fan first. And if I see Mason Mount score for England, I'm actually happy for him. I'm like, yeah, fucking get in, Mason. If anybody else scores, I'm like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Fucking English bastards, fuck's sake. So what did you make of um, football movies then? Because there's two sort of camps for football in movies. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got the underdog team taking on the big team, triumph over adversity. Mm-hmm. Or you've got the knobheads in Stole Island jackets out in the street glassing each other and chanting football songs at each other. Well, each yeah. other's there's, there's, there's no sort of, I don't think I've seen many football films that actually just tell a, a story about football. There's one I'm going to talk about in a minute, but yeah, there's always this dark sort of. See, I'm going to name one. I'm going to name one, and I don't think you might even have thought about it. Um, my the first football film I remember watching and loving was When Saturday Comes. Yeah, see, I've never seen this. Have you never seen it? It was my, it was the first, it was the first, I think it was my first introduction to Sean Bean. And it's basically about, uh, uh, you know, a guy that who we all know, a guy who we all have went to school with, that one guy who is the most talented, you know, footballer that you've ever seen. And you don't understand how he didn't get trials or he went on trials and he didn't make it and blah, 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 blah. 
and that's the character that Sean Bean plays and he, he lives in Sheffield and he's a Sheffield United fan and he goes to Bramall Lane, you know, and he watches the games and blah, blah, blah. And he tries to go for trials and stuff, but he's in the kind of, you know, he's living with his mother and father and his, his father's an alcoholic and, you know, he's, he his brother collects, you know, programs and his father sells the program. And it's real gritty. It's a real, like, Sheffield Steel gritty movie. You know, them, you know, Room for Romeo Brass, you know, them kind of mid-90s gritty British movies. Um, but then, obviously, of course, he gets through one of the trials and then he gets on for Sheffield and he scores a goal in the FA Cup, you know, the winning goal. And I think that was my first, that was the first football movie that I ever truly loved. See, I think... Well, truly loved is a different thing, but I think one of the first football movies I remember watching is ID. Um, the British Hooligan. ID was amazing. Yeah, Reese Dinsdale was, um, can't remember the guy's name, but it was about uh, undercover police officers who go in, uh, they're called Shadwell, but I think it's pretty much Shadwell. Millwell. Yeah, it's it is Millwell, yeah. Uh, football <laughs> teams with Shadwell. Shadwell time. Integrating themselves with the, the local... <laughs> God, I'm such I'm such an outsider. The the local youth, the local combat youth. combat eighteen group or whatever. Oh, some of them, but there's um, but there's like a, a young Sean Pertwee in there. There's there's quite a f- sort of few recognizable recognizable faces. But it's one of those that is, I think, back in the sort of nineties, it showed the real side of football violence. And I think now you watch it today, and it's. I don't know. I think it's you know. I think it's pretty bang on for how it was back then. In but, terms, yeah. Of... But that's that's what football was back then. Because when yeah. you you think about you know obviously what English football, British football went through. You know, in the eighties, you know, you had Heysel and you had Hillsborough. You had you know constant you know hooliganism on, on the terraces, and then obviously after Hillsborough, you know, I think the whole football world uh, decided that things had to change. You know, that's when they got rid of the, you know, sand standing, you know, and they put in all cedar stadiums. That's when they started, you know, building the infrastructure of football. You know, they started doing CCTV and then the Premier League came around in 1992 and Sky got involved and, you know, that made more money was getting pumped into it. So then they had to protect their investment. So they tried to kick the hooligans out. You know, but, you know, the problem with hooliganism and with racism and all that stuff is you, you can't get rid of it with money. You know, you, you, you can't, that, that doesn't, that element doesn't just leave. It's like what we've seen over in Northern Ireland when it comes to politics. You know, I would have hoped that by now, as a nearly 40-year-old man, I wouldn't have to talk to my son about, you know, orange and green. You know, you would have hoped, you would have hoped and, and it would all have fucking filtered out. You know, and then you seen I was watching the Hungary and Ireland game last night, and the Irish players knelt, and the Hungary players stood, and every Hungary fan in the stadium booed for the Irish players when they were on the knee. You know, so it's like you you just don't understand. You know, if you don't understand it, you're booing it. You're you're part of the fucking problem. You know, but you would hope that that kind of stuff had gone. Um, thankfully, you know, it has changed and things like ID, you know, um, what was that other one? Green Street with Elijah? Yeah, so ID, ID was sort of early 90s and then you had Green Street, Green Street with Elijah Wood and Charlie Hunnam. Um, you had like Football Factory. I think Derek, Danny Dyer's made a career out of... Oh, yeah. ...like that. Um, and the fact is they are popular films. Football is popular. Mm-hmm. And I think if a lot in this country, you know, thousands of people watch it every week and there are films there and people who want to watch films about football violence, whether they um, enjoy watching it 
whether they do it themselves and they see it emulated or it's people wanting to live this other life of, oh, I can never imagine being a football hooligan, but I want to see what goes on. That's that's why they make those films. But I think ID was one of the first for me that was sort of a standout and still, you know, you could still go back and watch it today and it, it really does sort of, it's dated quite a bit. But Yeah, but it had that them undertones as well because, you know, it was around that, that time of, you know, uh, the Brixton, the Brixton nail bomber, and you know a, a lot of un- civil unrest, you know, around the London area. You know, it, it it was a movie of its time, and I still think it does it does hold up. I actually watched it about two years ago. Um, mm. I, it's 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 still it's got like it is gritty, like it is gritty as fuck. It's it's a proper fucking mid nineties, early nineties British you know movie it is just you could you could very much imagine this broken up into three parts and shown on an itv on a sunday a hundred percent a hundred percent do you know what it, rem- of... you know it reminded me of do you know the tv the hbo tv show oz yeah it's just it's like oz it's that that's what it it's oz in london and not in a fucking uh a prison so in terms of films then because like i say i was looking for a film for football films that told the story of what football was like in that i, I don't want to see a film that contains football yeah you know, like we used to watch football as wives, and we just no. realized that, <laughs> and there was not a single ball kicked any time during the week, and it's called football as wives, and you never see any football. What was that TV show as well? Uh, Dream Team. Dream Team, yeah. Oh, the, uh, what a TV show! Premier oh, League. Game. Oh, Harchester, oh, oh, oh. Harchester is not the Harchester United. Harchester United. Harchester United. But they used to take Premier League games from Sky because it was a Sky TV show, and CGI then changed the colours of the team to represent the football, and it was like... I'm almost sure, I'm almost sure it was Chelsea as well. I'm almost sure that it was, they changed changed the kit colour. But yeah, I was looking for football films that actually show football, tell stories about football, and I watched The Damned United again with uh, Martin Ah, Sheen. And yes. yes, I'm a Leeds fan, but this film does... Watching it again, this film does not paint Leeds in any... Reason, you know, reasonably good light. I think, that... but I, do, I, do, I don't think it paints any. But I don't think it paints anybody in good light, and I think that's that's part of the problem. I, with... think, I think Peter Taylor gets away with it, but yeah, Clough, I mean, Reeve for me wasn't um, Don Revy. Sorry, wasn't. Um, I've seen bits of video from him. I've seen bits of interviews, and I've seen I've read interviews with his family about this. And they disagree wholeheartedly with the whole concept of there being a conflict between two of them that ran on for years that Revy was unaware of. Um, and Martin, Brian Clough held this grudge for so long off the back of Don Revy blanking him and, and dismissing him. And apparently that was all fictional. They didn't get on because they just didn't like each other. It was quite, you know, yeah. it was much more plain and simple that one was you know, the top manager in the country at the time, and one was the young, outspoken upstart, and the clashed, and the personalities clashed. Um, I watched the calendar interview that the film was based on, um, mm. the actual 30-minute interview, and it gets a bit heated at some point. You can tell there's tension between the oh, pair. Yeah. Um, but in a sense of getting a feel for what football was like in Britain in the 70s, Damned United is fantastic in a sense of yeah. the aura, in a sense of how close you could get to the players, um, the the dirty nature of it. it. It wasn't like carpets of grass that you get today. These are muddy, worn in pitches. It's heavy balls. It's vicious injuries. 
it, the Leeds team of the eight of the seventies may have been a little tough with the. Well, you see, I but see this is my this, was. yeah, but this was. I this was this was my problem with the Damn United. I I, I Damn United is one of my favorite football movies. Like I yeah. I love it. I, I I genuinely have watched it probably about four or five times. I still have it recorded on my cue box from the last time, and I genuinely will wa- probably watch it within the next couple of months again. Um, I I think Michael Sheen is a chameleon when it comes to to you know taking over a person's psyche and taking over a person's character. Um, if anybody d- doesn't understand the name Brian Clough, I would one hundred and ten percent ask you to go onto YouTube and just watch one of his interviews. Um, yeah. he was he was an absolute fucking force of nature. Um, even in later on down the line, you know he, uh, for example. When fans, New or Nottingham Forest were were promoted to 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 the, the Premier or sorry or relegated from the Premier League, and they won a game that they thought they may have stayed up, and two fans ran onto the pitch and Brian Clough basically fucking manhandled them yeah. uh, on the football pitch, and they Slapped were going to take him to court. Yeah, yeah. So he slapped, yes, yeah, so we slapped them around, and then we kind of pushed them off the pitch. And uh, to quell any lawsuit, um, they were invited onto the pitch for the next game. So Brian Clough could apologise to them. But instead of apologising, he kissed him on the cheek. And then that literally, he asked them to kiss him on the cheek. And that was it. There was no apology from Brian Clough. And everything was forgiven. You know, he was that kind of, he was that kind of person. But, you know, in the Damned United, I think... Uh, Nigel Clough, his son, uh, uh, really took exception to the book because um, it kind of painted, it kind of painted him as a workaholic. You know, didn't really pay that much attention to his family. Uh, he was a bit of an alcoholic. He drank everywhere he was, and you know whether that be true or not to the end of his career. Um, I don't believe that it was the full truth uh, at oh, the start no. of his career. But no. as you say, there, I agree with you. It 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 brings in. The grit, the dirt, the raw, the intensity, the you know the, the fucking ferocity that was English football in the seventies. If you ever want to, if you ever want to look at, sorry, if you ever want to look at football and how far it's come. Oh yeah. Where you look, you look at football now. You see what it is. It is this giant billion-dollar industry. Um, talking about how players are traded, image rights, agent fees, all this. Back in the seventies, when you know. This generation or the generation before us will live in this. And in the 70s, you could be a manager of Leeds United, the biggest team in the country at the time, top of the table, and you could literally drive up to a player's door and go, come and play for us. We'll buy you a yeah. house. It's, it's 300 quid a week, which in those days was probably like a 1,000 quid a week. And mm-hmm. probably more than that. And you'd say to them, come and play for us. And, and it was such a simple game. It was a club who were trying to play football to win trophies Um, and I think to watch that in contrast to what football is today I think it really helps people understand why people want to hold on to whatever is left of that origin of the game which is essentially 11 v 11 and somebody running a club trying to win trophies see I I, I am I'm glad that football moved away from that I'm glad football moved away Uh, I'm so glad football moved away from that you know uh, for me Watching, watching Chelsea in the late eighties, and watching Chelsea 
1998, 1999, you know, the, the, literally in 10 years, football changed, you know, it was unrecognizable, you know, whereas, yes, I would rather have football still maybe be a little bit working class uh, with a wee bit less, you know, pricey for tickets and stuff like that there. But moving into the 90s and moving into the, the Premier League era, you know, it, it completely was for the better. You know, it was completely, football couldn't have continued the way it was going. You know, it couldn't have continued the way it was going. It was all on a fast track just to fucking, you know, just to eating itself. And, you know, having the Premier League come in and, and do what they did with Sky and, you know, pumping money into teams and, you know, all-seater stadiums. Yes, do you know what? Now, stadiums can be a wee bit fucking, you know, quiet, you know, but I think they're going to bring in the safe stand a few football clubs within the next five years. Celtic are the, obviously the only club in your in, in UK who have safe stand at the minute. Um, and it's phenomenal. You know, it... it if if you were to if every single club that goes to Celtic Park and sees the Green Brigade, you know, in the corner of the safe stand, and every single club, you know, looks at it and goes, "Yeah, yeah, we we need that. That's that's what football needs, right there." This this is the thing, right? Because um, watching American soccer, football over in America, and I was over in New York and I watched it, and I watched some Leeds games in a bar, and those bars were rammed with either expats or British people, middle middle of a Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, watching 20 screens in this pub, all showing a different match from the Premier League. It was insane how popular it was. People were in these bars, these Irish bars, and like I said, most of them were American, watching the football, watching them mm. about the Premier League. And we went to a game at Yankee Stadium, uh, New York City against, I've fucking forgotten now, Toronto, I think. And you know what, the... The atmosphere was shite. Yeah. The, most people next to us were making noise with a bunch of Canadians. And I was thinking of going to sit in with them for a bit, but I was feeling rough as shit anyway. But it was scorching. But that's an American thing, though. That's oh, an American this is, this is, thing. This is the thing. Hang on one second. And then you've got the whole of Yankee Stadium just sat watching the game, maybe a few cheers, clapping. You know, like you know, like when you go to see an Island or an England under 21 game. And they've given <laughs> they've given tickets, free tickets to local schools to bring a load of kids. You know what I mean? It sounded like mm. that. But over on one side of the stadium, one stand, no seating, tiered, barriers, safe standing, all there. And it was just probably about 300 people just going absolutely mental. Like, you know, like the yellow wall in Dortmund. It was New yeah. York's version of that. And three lads I were with all went and started cheering and throwing beer around. And it was insane. And it was just yeah. all kept within this one area. And they kind of said, if you want to cheer and if you want to do all that, go and stand in there. Otherwise, we're just going to sit and watch the football game and go on. <laughs> and I, we were in a bar afterwards over the road. And I still had my Leeds shirt on from earlier on. And one guy went, why are you wearing that? Because I'm a Leeds fan. American guy. And he goes, didn't you lose today? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, I wouldn't be wearing that. <laughs> so you lose that's a game. Not, that's not how it works, Chet. <laughs> in it? And listen, listen, yeah, listen, Brad. Listen, Troy. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, not how it works. First of all, look at the fucking size of me. Do you really think I'm going to walk around the Bronx half naked? No. Second of all, well, like you just throw your shirt away. It's like, oh, you're I'm done with you. I can't believe it. And I'm just like, that's fucking. And do you remember what you said about uh, Snow Patrol? 
every time that uh, somebody opens a letter in Northern Ireland, Snow Patrol come out and start doing a concert, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's the national, American national anthem in America. Baseball, football. At the beginning of the football, they had the national anthem going off. Yeah, Imagine doing that. Imagine doing that at Coventry versus Rochdale, and you start <laughs> on save the Queen at the beginning. <laughs> Newport versus Vauxhall Motors or something, you know, and God save the Queen. Jesus, shut up. Um, but, okay, so in terms of how Americans see soccer, then I think there were the goal films that came out in, in the 2000s about some yeah. guy. First of all, he, he dreams of playing for Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let's just all laugh at this at the moment. Yeah, Santiago, okay. Santiago Munez. Munez. And uh, he dreams of playing for Newcastle. He gets to play for like, Newcastle. Like we all do. We all want to go to fucking St. James's. We all want to go with the Geordies. We all want to be there. It's the Timor With Timor Kets by a kick in the stand. We all want to be there with Alan Shearer and fucking, what was his name? What was that Belgian guy, Albert? <laughs> <laughs> Albert the Fifth Musketeer. <laughs> and then in the second one, is, is it the second one he goes to Real Madrid? Yeah, he goes to Real Madrid in the second one. And then in the third one, now, I wasn't sure because I can't, I remember watching this, but I might have been a bit inebriated at the time. I understand he came from America to go play for New Newcastle, but doesn't he play for Mexico in the World Cup? Was he, no, he came from Mexico. Did he not come from Mexico? Did he not come from Mexico? I thought he came from America. In the, I can't remember the third one. I, I just remember David Beckham's shitty cameo in the second one and decided not to remember them oh, again. All right, all right, Santiago. Right. You're <laughs> going to be a great player. It was like I that in King Arthur. I was to play some football. Did you see his cameo in King Arthur? Charlie Hunnam walks up to him with his thumb in his belt like he does in every fucking thing he's in now after Sons of Anarchy. Goes up to David Beckham. Oi, are you going to lift that sword out of that stone or are you going to bag her off? (laughs) Hold on, what? Whoa, whoa. David Beckham was in the fucking King Arthur movie. Did you not see it? No. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be doing King Arthur, Legend of the Star. What the fuck? David Beckham was in a King Arthur movie. Have you not seen King Arthur? Why would I watch that? We're watching King Arthur. Next week, we're doing King Arthur. Episode 69, we're doing King Arthur. <laughs> You're going to love it. You're going to love it. We're putting Army of the Dead off till the week after that. You were doing King Arthur. Well, we, doing... we can do Army of the Dead and... Right, Army of the King Dead Arthur. and King Arthur next week. Watch <laughs> King Arthur, everybody, if you haven't. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. I'm saying no more. Um, so how Americans see soccer ball then? Because f- American football's their game. Basketball, yeah. lacrosse. Well, it all it all started. Well, lacrosse isn't their game. Lacrosse is hurling. Volleyball. No, volleyball is Gaelic. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I skate. I okay. That's Gaelic. <laughs> um, so one film you told me to watch. Now I did. <laughs> I said to you, I want to watch films about football. It's a football episode. We're going to do about soccer, about football. Go for it. What have you got? Rodney Dangerfield starring in... (laughs) Ladybugs. (laughs) The fucking Ladybugs. Basically, Rodney Dangerfield writes a bunch of one-liners. And for an hour and a half, he coaches the team, the boss's daughter's soccer team. Yes, but he teaches them all how to, you know, be, be good to themselves. And do you remember the girl who was really ugly? And then she took her ponytail out 
and then she was beautiful, and then she scored a goal. The she's all that to the, the she's she all that to the. She's all out of there. <laughs> I remember him dressing his stepson up in drag. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Brandis, R.I.P. God, he, he, he's dead, you know. What, his career or? Not Jesus, very much his body. Oh, Jesus, right, okay. Well, uh, let's talk about that another time, shall we? Um, <laughs> this was just Dangerfield hitting his one-liners. Oh, hey, yeah, I've got, listen, that's, this is all driven down the street if I haven't gone the wrong way. <laughs> but, but, right, but, right, if you're anything like me, right, if you're anything like me, the movie was shit, right? The movie was shit. But Dangerfield was fucking <laughs> on point. It was, it was on point. point. <laughs> what was the one where it's like um, something, something happens and it just it'd be like a totally random thing. It's like, we're all going to the mall. Hey, I uh, hope you don't see my wife there. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I could watch. I, could, I spent probably a good three weeks you know, watching, you know, old comedy, uh, like American comedy, George yeah. Burns and, you know, a lot of the, the late night talk shows and stuff. And I went through a period where I would literally just sit every night and listen to two minutes of Rodney Dangerfield. Like he's, he's the last of these great comedians that it was just joke after joke after joke after joke. And you know what? Two or three of them don't hit, but fuck me, number four, number five, and number six will hit, and number seven will be shit, and number eight will be great, number nine will be great, and it's just like, it's like fucking one after the other, and it was like, oh, and it just reminded me of why I was watching this movie, and it's like, nothing is right about this movie, like, nothing is right, it's politically incorrect, you know, it is just wrong, blatantly wrong what he what he's doing, it's, it's a movie of its time, of course, it was 92, but every time Dangerfield's on screen, like if I was waning a wee bit and I was kind of looking in the background of a couple of scenes where a guy was trying to, come on, sh- come on, kid, come on, sure, let's get it. No, Dangerfield is right on it. it. You know there's a joke coming. You know that there's something coming. It's like, ah, Dangerfield's here again. Let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, one I meant to ask you if you'd seen, and we should have watched it, Shaolin Soccer. From 2000. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I'm, I was trying to think. I've just thought of it there. I was trying to think of other films from other cultures, you know, maybe ones that don't speak English. And Shaolin cultures. It's <laughs> other cultures, other worlds. And it's fantastic. It is such yeah. a hilarious film. It, it, it's, um, it's kind of like uh, playing. Oh, what's the fucking but video? Stephen, Stephen Chow, yeah, if anybody's Marvel. If I, Football, yeah. You know. yeah, if anybody's seen Kung Fu Hustle as well, I mean, Stephen yeah, yeah. Chow, you know, it's it's over the top fucking, you know, Chinese made, you know, mixed anime, manga, real life kind of thing situations. Like, I I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think I actually watched Silent Soccer with you. I think I I'm almost I'm almost I'm sure I did because it came, it was 2004, wasn't it? I think it was 2004, Silent Soccer. One. Almost. Was it 2001? We'll have had it on DVD. So what, what would be your favourite? I mean, you say uh, Damned United then. So what? what's your... See, for me, a football movie, it has to be that underdog kind of... The, the thing that Escape to Victory did well is it didn't have a win. 
it didn't have them win, did it? It was. I know, I know, but it's like <sighs> it was sort of like withdraw. We won the moral victory. It's very British. It's the most British thing. That for me, the only reason I remember Escape to Victory is because it's that one with Stallone, in. and it also happened like Bobby Moore and Pele, and you know what I mean. But see, was... I I could never understand why there were so many Ipswich Town players in it. That's the one thing that I couldn't understand. There were so many, like it had Pele, like for fuck's sake, you know, it had Pele in it. And then it had fucking, like the starting fucking front line of Ipswich Town. And if anybody's in America and they've heard of Ipswich Town, I'll give you a tenner each because... <laughs> <laughs> because here I've got 20 quid, you know. It's... Yeah. yeah, like why the fuck wasn't Alan Brazil there? You know what I mean? That's like, why wasn't like fat Alan Brazil there? You Mike Summerby uh, was. So Mike Mike Summerby. <laughs> but it, it was that underdog thing, like me Machine. Um, and I know that's based on The Longest Yard, but Mean Machine, yeah. Vinnie Jones, um, prison uh, comedy drama. Um, and it is very much underdogs. It's Dodgeball. It's uh, Up and Under. It's all these films where you're seeing the, the shite players who can't get themselves together, the ladybugs who can't get together. You've got a <laughs> crap team, and they overcome, overcome adversity and win. It's a great formula. That's Let, let's, be, let's be honest. You know, we all... We all want to hit the formula of ladybugs, all right? Vinnie Jones, Vinnie Jones as Rodney Dangerfield just doesn't work. <laughs> he's got some witty one-liners in him, but I don't know. Vinnie Jones has done all right. He's, he's better than, you know, when you first saw him in, God, what was it? Was it Gone in 60 Seconds where he was a mute? And, uh, Lockstock, the, Lockstock was his first movie. Lockstock was his first one, but Gone in 60 Seconds was like the year after that. And yeah. that was The Sphinx, one. was that, is it? The Sphinx? Sphinx, yeah. But then it, it spoke right at the end, and I think that was his running gag in a while. But Mean Machine was all right. It had, um, I would say, a certain UK prison, and I think it, it it kind of touched the nerve. You know, you had a lot of, I think, around those times, you had, you've had, like, Tony Adams go to prison for a bit, and mm-hmm. Paul Mercer get locked up, or who, who else was it? No, he cried on TV. He cried on TV oh, about having to, having to sell all his medals and sniffing cocaine before training. I, I I've read it. <laughs> Do you know what I was reading? I was reading Paul Merson's book, right? And he basically was at Arsenal, and he was kind of like, you know what? I need to get away. I need to leave. Time's done. I need to get away from this place. I need to get clean, start fresh. And Wenger was like, okay, off you go. Go to Middlesbrough. And do, you know what, <laughs> do you know what they did at Middlesbrough? They put him a Gaza. Here's your keys, Paul. You're staying with Gaza and his brother for the for the first couple of months. <laughs> and they'd all come back, and Gaza would put four bottles of red wine on the table, and he'd say, "Right, last one to finish drinking or whatever wins the money in the pot." And he's like, "All right, cool." And Gaza's like, "Where's yours?" And he'd brought four bottles of wine for himself, and they were expecting everybody else to have bottles of wine. And you send him Paul Merson, cocaine, alcoholic, gambling addict, and you put him in a fucking house with Gaza. Ah, oh, it's insane. Paul Merson played all right for a season with Middlesbrough as well. I did. I did all that for Villa, actually. But um, favorite football film then? Uh, I would probably have to say Damn United. Mm. I ain't. I ain't. See, this Fever Pitch with Colin Firth, but it's that good. I've only just yeah. remembered it, and we've been planning this for weeks, and I've only just remembered Fever Pitch. I know, but it's it's Arsenal. So in my head, I can't like it. Mike Bassett, England manager. One of my favourite comedy, British comedies. Really? I fuck it. I find I find it hilarious. I did the first time I watched it, and then the second time I watched it, I kind of chuckled. 
And every time I watch it after that, I'm just like, what is going on here? I, I, just, I, 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 find, I just find it funny. Like, I love Ricky Tomlinson. Like, I, I, yeah. genuinely, I genuinely love him. Like, and I think it's it's just the character of, of Mike Bassett. You know, it's that kind of, whenever he finds out he's England manager in the press tell him at the front door, you know, it makes me fucking, it, I will piss myself every single time that I have that. You know, you're fucking joking, are you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, prob- I'm probably going to say Damned United. I will. I'm, I... <sighs> yeah. I just yeah. think it's, it is, uh, as a character study, it's great. And yeah, they might have been embellished, but um, it, it's a piece of art. You know, it's dramatic intent. It's You can do what you want. It, it's not saying this is exactly as it happened. It's the Damned United. Um, mm. and even though, like I say, it revolves around Leeds to see even just the bits, you know, where you live and where you've walked and it's still there from the 70s. It's just been cleaned up a bit and re-tarmacked. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those. So, Fred, to come on. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty, right? Euros. Yes. So what I, what I want from you is two things. I want your winner and I want your top scorer. Winner. Never count out the Italians. Remember that? I was just going to say Italy. Never count out the Italians. But they're in a group. They they're not in the group with uh, Germany, are they? They're in no idea. I don't even. I don't even know what the groups are. I know they're. Do you know what? I know they're playing Turkey in the first game, and Turkey are going to be Turkey are going to be a very fucking dodgy team to play. I'll say I'm going to go Italy. I'm going to go Italy's winners. Top scorer, Lewandowski. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with the second favourites. So I'm gonna have to go France. I cannot look past that French team. I know Benzema got injured last night. Um, but they have two or three players for every single position. You cannot look past that front line. Griezmann and Mbappe yeah. and Olivier Giroud. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck up, he scored twice last night. France's fucking leading scorer of all time, 43 goals. Over Henri. European European Cup winner, Olivier Henri. Giroud. Henri was a great finisher, though, wasn't he? Not as good as Olivier Giroud. Henri scored some great, goals. Some great yeah, He did. Not as many as Olivier Giroud, though. <laughs> uh, my top score is going to be Olivier Giroud. <laughs> <laughs> In a world of video stores and late fees, when movies ain't what they used to be, one podcast will change the world. They will embark on a journey to look at the good and bad movies from the golden era of home video, and things are about to get nostalgic. The VHS will rise and Will fall. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dave, this has got to be the worst promo I have ever heard. No, it isn't. If you're going down the route of the video trailer, man, Dave, I want a training montage. Coming soon on a podcast near you. If you listen to one podcast this week, then you're probably listening to Joe Rogan. But if you've exhausted all other podcasts, then the VHS strikes back is one to try.
Right. Well, there is the most uh, detailed analysis of the upcoming Euro 2020 you're going to receive. Yeah. Elevator is going to win everything. Uh, Lewandowski is going to score a few goals. Italy's going to win. Uh, what is? Are we having a? Are we having a wager? Pound. 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 Right. Pound. I don't know what we're better pound on. You've got that funny money over there, don't you? You've got that funny money with the queen with the queen's face on it. Who? Who <laughs> <laughs> is this woman you speak of? Who's that? So next week. You're in for a treat. I can't believe you haven't seen. So basically next week, we're going to do Army of the Dead, uh, Zack Snyder's two and a half hour. Oh, Paul, two and a half hour. Yes. Guess what the first thing is I'm going to be saying? Oh, what? It's two and a half hours fucking long. (laughs) Too long? (laughs) He has no restraint. No, nope. but that's that, that, that is him now. That is him now. Everyone allowed him to bring out a four-hour movie, so he expects that every movie that he's bringing out now is going to be between two and a half hours and three hours. I think I said this. <laughs> you did. Uh, so we'll be discussing that next week, and we are also going to be talking about King Arthur, Charlie Hunnam in King Arthur that came... <sighs> this I... better be all right, hey, because I, if I have to make my missus watch this fucking shit... <sighs> King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Jude Law, Eric Banner. Uh, What's the Metacritic score? You fucking... Uh, 41. 41. Fuck yeah. me. That's as bad point, as Driller Killer. That's as bad six, as Driller Killer. 6.7 on uh, IMDb. IMDb. What the fuck does that mean? Fucking Guy Ritchie could vote on that himself. <laughs> Uh, so yeah we're going to do King Arthur as well I can't wait for you to watch this um... see if you're making me watch two real shit movies I'm going to be I'm not going to be fucking happy at all like... Army of the Dead King Arthur Legend of the Sword I don't know how much more random we can get those two but geez there <laughs> alright we're going to go watch some foosball football 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 for Germany and uh, oh yeah, follow us on Twitter at Pod Movie Chef. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, but I never upload anything on there. But find us on there; it's all on Google. Um, Cormac, tell us how the Instagram's going. Yeah, Instagram. Okay, so next week, get Army of the Dead watched. Get King Arthur at Legend of the Sword watched. We're gonna go wave some flags, paint crosses on our face, drink copious amounts of Fosters. And Is it the twelfth of July already? Engerlund. I'm I'm not. <laughs> I'll feed us in. <laughs>